You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me right now, still with a, a little bit of corn in his teeth, I think, uh, back from Iowa is our editor-in-chief, Al Sanisari. Hey, John, I'm happy to be back, but it was, uh, it was a great time. Awesome. I, I, I have to say, there's a lot of very fun things that MLB does, that MLB tries to do. Some of them work great, some of them less so. I know, Al, you've been very fortunate over your career to go to some incredible just like one-off events. Uh, you, know, you mentioned uh, recently we were talking London a couple of years ago, things like that. But I can tell you, watching, I'm not sure I've ever seen MLB hit the nail dead on the head as they did with this Iowa game at the Field of Dreams. They really did. And, you know, what's funny is that I realized that they did the minute I got to the Field of Dreams facility uh, the day before the game. Just from a visual standpoint, just getting there and seeing it from the movie site to the quarter mile walk through a dirt path, uh, along a dirt path through, a, you know, the, the giant cornfield that's the backdrop in the movie to this, you know, beautifully brand new, I, I wouldn't even call it makeshift because it was so nice, uh, a stadium or ballpark. You just knew right away that it was just surreal. It was going to be an amazing night. And it really was. And, and you're right. They hit it on the head. They did it perfectly, you know, so different from other things, so different from London or, you know, years ago, I think back to the game that we had at West Point or even Virginia Tech, these kind of really cool, meaningful games. This setting was more unique than any I've ever been in. And I and I just keep using the word cool. It was the coolest thing I, I've ever seen in, in baseball. What does that say? I mean, think about what you've seen. Think about like the World Series. Think about all these things that, you know, you have done that are completely synonymous with baseball history. Think about the Derek Jeter moments that you were in the room for. Think about the things you saw Alex Rodriguez do, that you saw Mariano Rivera do. We're talking right now about one game out of 162 in a season that's still going on that the Yankees lost, mm-hmm. mind you. The Yankees won the series. So, I mean, it becomes even almost more of an afterthought in the standings. And yet, what does that say that this is something that is going to stay with you forever? What does that say about baseball, do you think? It speaks volumes about the importance of the game. I think it speaks, you know, honestly, it's weird to say, but I think it it speaks volumes about the movie Field of Dreams. And I'm 42 years old, so I was 10 years old in 1989. I watched it then. I also watched it, you know, with my son, who's 13, and and my wife, um, you know, Monday before we left. I'm not super sentimental or emotional about Kevin Costner's, you know, character, Ray Kinsella, playing catch with his dad. Because I've been blessed, you know, I've, I've had a father, you know, who I've been around and who's been supportive my whole life. I played catch with my son, you know, enough times, e- even just last year to, to 
fill a lifetime's you know worth of of uh you know arm trouble i guess you could say <laughs> so uh but it's it's a great movie it speaks volumes about you know the importance of the game to people not just in new york city not just in yankees you know people who come to yankee stadium all the time but throughout the country and you know and then being there and seeing it it, it there was some nostalgia just being on the movie site and it was just really cool um, so I, I think it speaks volumes about, you know, what that movie is about baseball in America and, and just the importance of, of doing things differently. What I will say kind of to your point is this, like you talk about comparing it to a world series game. I've been at those and they're amazing. Um, Derek Jeter's last game, things like that. In a lot of ways, this was like being at a concert. And what I mean by that is the outcome didn't matter as much as the atmosphere and all the things that were happening. You know, I've, I've, I've had my heart broken at games enough times where the outcome doesn't go the way you want. And you're walking out of this amazing event, playoff game or whatever it may be, kind of heartbroken, so to speak. The outcome, I mean, not to say it didn't matter. The Yankees want to win every game. Don't get me wrong. And every game is important. And it was electrifying and amazing and we were screaming and yelling in the in the top of the ninth when we had the two home runs to give us the lead but it was kind of like being at a concert if it's a great concert there's no winning or losing you just win you know it's it's a win you you feel great about it you feel great about being there there were so many ancillary things that were a part of this day and a part of this night being on the on the movie set the pregame introductions just all of that stuff i guess it was like all of that kind of overshadowed what the outcome was for me kind of like being at an all-star game so to speak doesn't matter what the outcome is what i went back to watching on tv and i have to say you were there in person i don't know if you watched the broadcast but it looked amazing on tv they did such a good job fox broadcasted in 4k i mean all, all these things but watching it it reminded me of my favorite baseball game that i've ever been to which if, if you were to ask anyone what's the best baseball game i've ever been to the answer is pretty obvious for me that it's game six of the world series in 2011 when you know that david freeze crazy game of uh, that comeback i mean you you can't beat that in terms of drama mm -hmm. but whenever whenever i get asked what's my favorite sport event i've been to it is the inaugural world baseball classic canada against south africa now i'm out there in arizona Long day. Wake up very early in the morning. Go. I don't even remember what spring training camp I went to, but I went to one. Then I go to Chase Field to watch the U.S. play Mexico, the first U.S. game. It ends up being an amazing game. What a cool event. We worked hard on it because I was at MLB at the time getting ready for this thing. We're watching this happen. It's super cool. And then my boss, who's there, wants to go to this Canada-South Africa game at Scottsdale Stadium, which is a really cool spring training stadium, but it's very small. And I was just done for the day. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I, I'd had a lot of baseball that day. I was exhausted. These trips are fun, obviously, but you know, they were really busy. Don is never done though. Exactly. That, that's for sure. If there's and, a sporting event to go to. And I don't win this argument, as you might imagine. <laughs> but we're sitting there and it's not a very good game. Canada is a really good team. South Africa has one minor leaguer on its team. These guys are mostly construction workers, bartenders, things like that from back in South Africa. I just like I can't imagine I'm sitting there watching this game. And then all of a sudden in the eighth inning. South Africa comes back to take the lead against Canada. And we're sitting there watching this. And I've gone from desperately trying to figure out what restaurants in downtown Scottsdale might still be open at like 1030 to get dinner to just being totally taken in by this game. And then in the top of the ninth inning, Canada gets the lead back. They win. The next day, Canada beats the USA. Two days later, the US beats South Africa by something about 19 to zero or something like that. So 
could not have mattered less. The exciting thing that I was watching happening didn't even happen. South Africa did not win the game. And yet that's what baseball is. And I think that that is similar to what you're saying. It's just sometimes the event wins. For me, what I found so remarkable about the Field of Dreams game, and again, just watching at home, is you can come back at me with this and say like, well, you know, there were guy cosigns everywhere and there were, you know, all these cameras and everything like that and whatever. What I found about the Field of Dreams game is it was finally a representation and a manifestation of what baseball claims it is. Baseball always likes pretending that it's this, you know, national pastime, this pastoral event, this, you know, fathers and sons type thing. And yet, you know, you watch these games with 50,000 people and millions of people watching and, you know, these two and a half minute long commercial breaks and all these things. And every pitching change is brought to you by this person and everything. And, and I mean, you you watch enough of these games, the biggest games, when they matter the most, and they become as little about the father and son thing as anything could possibly be. Well, this was an event that was simply about fathers and sons. This was simply about the pastoral, natural qualities of baseball. Was it artificial? Sure. I mean, obviously, it's a TV show, mm-hmm. but I, I, that was what struck me. It was an event that was baseball actually executing what baseball claims to always be executing. Yeah, I I do agree with it from being there. And, and and I'll say with full disclosure, you know, I I was there working really hard, um, you know, the media day the day before and, and, you know, right up till the game. But, you know, my wife and son did come to the game and I sat in the seats with them. And, you know, I, I don't regret it either because it was an amazing event to, to share with my family. Again, I'm not emotional about playing catch with my son or having my wife play catch with him and you know because we do that all the time. It was cool doing it there. There were a lot of people on the field. It wasn't like you have your moment alone on this field. You know, there are a lot of fans there, a lot of lines, you know, a lot of all that stuff. I forgot to ask, was Shoeless Joe there or no? No, he wasn't there. Oh, so I didn't but, even realize that. Okay. <laughs> but I will say he was almost there. And what I mean by that is they had a bunch of middle-aged to older gentlemen dressed up as those guys, you know, as the White Sox guys or Black Sox, you know, players. So he was kind of there in a, in a way uh, and they were willing to take pictures with anyone who wanted to, uh, <laughs> as was Dwyer Brown, uh, really anyone who wanted to. So Dwyer Brown, of course, being the guy who played John Kinsella in the movie, but go on. Exactly. He was a little bit more accessible than Kevin Costner was. We did see Kevin Costner on a golf cart, but he wasn't taking pictures and things like that with anyone who wanted to. So, And you know what? For me, I, I would say that hour before the game, you know, being on the movie set, um, and, and I think every family could feel the same way or did feel the same way. And then during that game, watching the game, I just felt very lost in the moment. I, I felt like I was just there watching a baseball game. It had that, you know, that purity to it, that just feeling of just being completely isolated in that moment. And for, and for that, I agree. And I think Major League Baseball did get it right. And I will say, I follow a lot of my former Major League Baseball colleagues on things like Instagram and Twitter. I follow a lot of Yankees beat writers on Instagram, Twitter, what have you. Every single person I know who was at this event has pictures of themselves in the corn doing these things on the field, uh, you know, near those wooden bleachers from the movie. Every mm-hmm. Everyone has the same thing. And that just shows you, I mean, these people who are so used to these MLB events, are so used to kind of flying in, turning something into, you know, whatever it needs to be for the moment and then flying out. This one resonated with them. I I think it's amazing. I know I can't wait to read your story about this. I can't wait till we can put it in our September issue. But, you know, I think we should move on a little bit just, you know, before we get to the feature we're going to discuss today, the, the one you wrote, the cover story of our August issue about Gary Sanchez. I do think we should mention we're recording this on Wednesday morning and, you know, we just spent 20 minutes talking about a Yankees loss, but those are 
few and far between recently. And in fact, the Yankees right now are in a playoff position for the first time in a long time. And one thing that has struck me, and I'm curious what you think, and uh, maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this. Maybe I shouldn't say this. One thing I just love about baseball is, you know, we go to all these press conferences on Zoom, we hear this stuff, and we spent the last four months essentially with Yankees manager Aaron Boone and the player saying, I think we're actually going to turn the corner. We're playing a lot better than you think. You know, we've had good at bats, yada, yada, yada. And you listed all these reporters saying like, well, why are you losing? And it's the same, you know, eh, we've been playing better than you think. We've been having these good ones. And then, and then last night, the Yankees get into playoff position and suddenly Aaron Boone is just like, yeah, we still got a long way to go. I, I just love the way that changes on a dime in a sense. It goes from, hey, maybe you're not noticing how well we're playing to all of a sudden now it's like, well, we haven't accomplished anything yet. That's always one of my favorite things about sports mentality. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, things can change. I won't say on a dime, you know, they've changed pretty drastically since like July 26th, you know, and the Yankees have obviously gotten, I think, 17 and five best record in baseball. You know, it, it, it's been really an amazing run to this point. I mean, being, you know, 10 games behind the Red Sox it, and it does. Honestly, you and I talk a lot about how fast the season goes. We're pumping out an issue of Yankees magazine. It seems like every two weeks, the cycle turns over three weeks, the cycle turns over. So we're constantly moving and moving towards the next thing, the next edition. And while that's happening, you know, you know, our team caught the team ahead of them, you know, and made up 10 games. And that's a, you know, that's an amazing thing. No matter what happens, that's an amazing thing. You know, I wrote in my, in my press box column for August, I'm just peering over my shoulder and looking at it. You know, the heat's on in, in August and this team's got to win a lot of games, but they can win a lot of games. And, you know, after I wrote it and after we published it, you know, the, the word can and that they're, I didn't make any bold predictions, but I just felt like they could do it because the, the, the talent is there, certainly the starting pitching and, you know, and, and obviously all these big bats and, and this lineup, but they actually did do it. It's, it's one thing when you talk about having the ability to do it, it's another going out and doing it. I think the trades that Brian made at the, at the deadline were, were really great. You know, I woke up this morning, I was very excited, you know, whether it's going to last or not, I think it will, but I, I felt very optimistic that this could be a special season. The the crazy thing is, you know, you mentioned the, the run the team has been on, and I think it's the nature of baseball. Maybe it's the nature of New York baseball. Maybe it's the nature of the way this team loses, in a sense. They've won so many games and lost so few games, and at those few losses, just... They're so like they they stay. I remember those so much more clearly than I remember the wins. That ridiculous loss to Baltimore when they you know couldn't do anything. Obviously, you know the Tim Anderson walk off home run in Iowa, things like that. Of course, those brutal losses in Fenway against the Red Sox. It, it almost overshadows how well the team is playing. But the other thing that's worth remembering is, you know, if you're following the Yankees on Twitter at Yankees, you know, one thing you're seeing is every day another official release about players coming back, and that's awesome. Great. In the last couple of days, we had Garrett Cole come back. He looked great. Jordan Montgomery came back. He looked really good. Gary Sanchez came back. That That's huge for this team. Everything like that. Rizzo was about to come back. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, he is back. What that underscores, in a sense, though, is that they were, have been doing this without those players. Yeah. A- and that's incredible. And, and it just shows you, for example, in, in that doubleheader, you, you watch Giancarlo Stanton in right field. And you know, if Giancarlo Stanton can play right field for this team on a regular basis, that means that Luke Voigt and Anthony Rizzo are both in the lineup. Mm-hmm. That means I, I, you can't even quantify what that does for this team. And, 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 and you just keep going like that and all these things that 
you know, he, Aaron Boone was laughing about it last night because someone asked, you know, if Rizzo's coming back, what are you going to do about Void? And, you know, his, his his comment was basically, you know, you haven't been watching this team long enough because every time something good happens, you know, the other shoe drops somewhere else. So we're not counting any chickens yet. But you do look at it and it's just... Obviously, they're, they're five games back on the Rays. Who knows what's going to happen? There's still plenty of baseball left. Maybe in a month and a half, we're talking about the Yankees collapse down the stretch and, you know, a lot of golf in October. Who, who knows? Mm-hmm. It's, it's too early to say this stuff. But if this is the team the Yankees can keep on the field for the next six weeks, and if this is the way the Yankees can play, I mean, this is a World Series team uh, when it's playing like this. And it was supposed to be. And maybe it doesn't matter because maybe they were underachieving for so long that you can't appreciate when they are whether you want to call it achieving or overachieving, you know, fine. If you if you want to be that cynical and if you want to be that joyless, fine. But it's pretty amazing to think about what this team can, team can do and what we are seeing it do right now. I was thinking the same thing this morning. I mean, the idea of Luke Voigt, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton all in the same lineup is just wildly exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's wildly exciting because they're all playing well. And, you know, especially a guy like Luke Voigt, who doesn't want to come out of the lineup. He's certainly been outspoken about that. As he should be. As he should be. And and you have this great first baseman in Anthony Rizzo, I mean, defensively and from an offensive standpoint. And, you know, I, I hope Giancarlo can, you know, get some days and innings and, and stay healthy out there in the outfield because it, it does give you your best chance. And again, I, I, just like you said, a guy like Garrett Cole coming back, pitching well the other night, pitching well before he, you know, he went down on the COVID IL. You know, that's what he's here for. He's here for... August, September, and October. Well, it's August 18th as we do this, and I think the best is yet to come. I think he's had ups, downs, bumps in the road. He's overcome them. He's pitching well, and he's ready to rock, and he's ready to get locked in. And you know what it also means, too, is when you talk about this could be a World Series team, it could because he's a guy that in October, teams are going to have to face pretty frequently. You know, every third game, every fourth game, whatever it may be, they're going to have to face a guy who... As we know, <laughs> seeing him with the Astros is really hard to beat in October. I mean, most teams don't beat him in October. And look, I mean, do you want to face Jamison Tyone right now? Do you want to face Jordan Montgomery? Do you want to face Nestor Cortez? Luis Heel has yet to, you know, give, give up, up a run. run. <laughs> I mean, I mean, again, is all this stuff going to stay this way? Of course it's not. Whatever. You think Heel is going to give up a run? Is I'm that what you're trying to I say? Think, I think at some point he might. Um, <laughs> yeah, in a couple of years. Obviously, yeah. Sometime in 2029 or so. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, though, is... Baseball season is very long, you, you know, and there's a reason for it. It's supposed to let the best team rise by the end of the season. You have to really, you know, wage a battle through this huge long ordeal in order to get to the end. But the reality is right now, it's th- this is not baseball of 1967. There are wild cards. There are multiple divisions, all, all that stuff. So the Yankees are, as we record this, five games back on the Rays, and that's a lot to make up in you know, six weeks, maybe they will. That'd be cool, but maybe they won't. But the fact of the matter is the benefit, you know, whether you like it or not, the reality is that baseball has an expanded playoff system now. And this team can make up for a lot of what went wrong in the first four months of the season by simply getting into the playoffs because no one wants to play this team right now. No one wants to face, to your point, no one wants to face this team because they don't want to face Garrett Cole. They don't want to face Jamison Tyon. They don't want to face Luis Heal. You know, all of those guys, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but also to your point earlier, John, like it's not Major League Baseball circa 1967, but it's also not Major League Baseball circa 2020. In other words, this is a real season. This is a season that represents the spirit of the game 
and what the game is about. You and I are marathon runners. You know, you don't run a a short race and say, well, it's the same thing as running a marathon. It's just not. I mean, and, and it's the same thing in this respect. Whatever happened last year, I don't know, it never felt too real to me, nor did the accomplishments of the teams that, you know, won last year. This year is real. There's still COVID challenges. God knows the Yankees are facing them, but they're doing them and still competing that marathon distance type of uh, season. So it is real and it's hard and they've had bumps in the road, a million of them. And they're right now on August 18th in a really good position. And it's, it's, I mean, it's something to, to really, you know, hang your hat on and, and be proud of and, and give you optimism going forward. And that's just it. You talk about controlling your own destiny. The fact of the matter is the Yankees came back to the point that now they control their destiny. Right now, they're actually, I believe, in the first wildcard spot, even not the second wildcard spot after Oakland's loss last night. Better to be chased than chasing. I mean, it's just, I, I don't think they're going to continue winning at this 100 or 850, whatever winning percentage. Maybe they do, though. They're good enough. So it, it, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks, and we will obviously keep watching it. We're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss your August cover story on Gary Sanchez. So stick with us. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back. So, Al, that was a uh, fun talking about some pretty awesome uh, Yankees events, pretty awesome Yankees play over the last few weeks. But one of my favorite topics with this Yankees team, one of the harder things to write about in some ways, but one of the things that I've gotten a lot of joy in my time writing about and that you wrote about recently is Gary Sanchez. You wrote the cover story for our August magazine. The story is called Into the Light. And what you did was you really looked at how he has made the adjustments, how he has worked, how he has listened. I, th- I thought it was just a, a, a great look at a fascinating baseball player. There's a lot of people who don't admire him. If you listen to talk radio, you hear them. There's a lot of people who do admire him. Uh, I think the two people in this room, you and I are, are two people who admire him quite a bit for his work ethic, for his ability to kind of stick with it. Baseball can be hard. Certainly life can be hard. Kind of like we talked about this team in, in the last segment, there's ups and downs. He's had, he's had some big downs, let's say, where he's, you know, he struggled mightily and he's had to figure it out. What was interesting about his, you know, kind of resurgence this year is that he had to make changes on the fly. He had to do things differently on the fly. And that's not easy at all. Yet he was able to do it. He's better off for it, and not a lot of players could have done it. He listened to Marcus Timms telling him, like, you need to basically change almost everything. And, you know, a guy who's hit 30 home runs twice in his career, two-time All-Star. Oh, by the way, this none of this is working. you got to change everything. It's hard to do. It's hard to swallow. He did it. 
He talked about, you know, his 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 attitude in April was like, I'm better than this. I have more pride than this and I need to do what I need to do because what I'm doing here isn't working. It was working before. It doesn't mean it's it's going to work now. I'm a different player, a different age, whatever. So I admired him a tremendous amount for that. I interviewed Marcus Timms before I, I spoke to him and he really kind of gave me the foundation for this story um, so I could kind of attack the interview with Gary with, with really feeling like I had been in the cages with him for, for a bit. And that really gave me a tremendous advantage. I ended up speaking to Gary for like 35 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. And it was a really great conversation. And um, he really, you know, really just explained everything to me. And, you know, is he going to hit 300 this year? No, but he's putting some real power numbers together. He's hitting consistently and uh, he's catching better than he has in a while. And, and he's a real big part of this team. And I think the reality is, and God, I'm going to choose my words real carefully here, and maybe I'm going to say some things that you have to read between the lines for whatever. The, the reality is, Kyle Higashioka is a very good baseball player, good backup catcher, if you will. Every single time anything goes wrong with Gary Sanchez, people want to talk about Kyle Higashioka as though he's Yogi Berra. And it reminds me a lot of Giancarlo Stanton in that way. Giancarlo Stanton, who basically every time he makes contact, you know, the ball travels harder, far, farther, faster than anyone else who, if we just go to the doubleheader yesterday, had two incredibly huge hits, mm -hmm. and yet he also strikes out and gets booed and things like that. And maybe, again, maybe you want to look at some of the subtext and, and, and read between the lines, if you will. The fact of the matter is, I remember a couple years ago talking to Austin Romine. Austin was a great guy, but he was also, he was a confident guy. He, he wanted to succeed. He knew what it meant to succeed. He knew, he believed in himself that he was good enough to be a starting catcher. And what he told me bluntly, and this is not a guy who would sugarcoat things, this is not a guy who would say things that he didn't believe, he said, this team is better with Gary Sanchez on the field. And that always stuck with me in a lot of ways because it is just a reality. There are certain players who can hit 220 and hit a lot of home runs and be celebrated. And the Yankees just traded for one of those who's quickly becoming a beloved Yankee. And it doesn't always work that way if you're Gary Sanchez. And I think that some people need to ask themselves why that might be at some times. And, and, and so every single time something like this happens, it just makes me appreciate a little bit more what a player like Gary Sanchez and what a player like Giancarlo Stanton accomplishes despite the outsized, maybe sometimes negative sentiment that they deal with. What I like about Gary's mental approach is he's respectful. You know, he's not coming out, lashing out against the fan base or detractors or anything like that. He understands it, but he does his thing. He puts his head down and he works hard. It's a battle. You know, it's, it's, it's different. It's not, they're not in the batting cages hitting the ball off a tee. And I think in Gary's situation, you know, there were criticisms he took in the minors that you know, he didn't work hard enough. He owns it. He didn't. I mean, he talked to me about that in 2017. You know, I didn't work hard enough in the minors. Okay, well, I did now and I do now. He does now and he's, you know, and, and everybody sees that and everybody knows that. Talk to his teammates. Look at his teammates. Look at the reaction that they had when he got going. I mean, they were like overjoyed as if it was themselves. Uh, you know, a guy who doesn't work hard doesn't get that reaction from their teammates. So, yeah, he's dealt with criticism. I, I've often sometimes thought it's it's unfounded, and I certainly do in this case. But, you know, he's got it going. And another thing that he, he talked to me about without me asking was, you know, he's not looking at this or feeling like, wow, I'm at the finish line here. He knows there's a long way to go this year. He knows there's a long way to go in the future for him to have the type of career that he wants to have and that he feels that he can have. So th there's no stopping here. 
there's just adjustments that were really, really hard to make, and he's got to keep making them, and he's going to keep working hard to do that. At least I, I feel that he will. And in a sense, it almost reminds me a little bit of a, a football team that keeps changing its coordinators in some ways. You know, Gary, you know, one day it's changing his catching stance. One day it's changing the fact that they're bringing in all new pitchers. One day it's changing his batting stance, everything like that. And when you're a catcher, you need to be able to put all of that together at once. You need to have every single chain moving in the right direction, everything like that. And, and it, there's so much more to it than simply, okay, you know, make the adjustment hitting and you'll be fine. Right. I, I, if Gary Sanchez could spend all of his time in the batting cage working on his hitting, my God, I mean, is there any reason to believe he wouldn't be a 300 hitter hitting 35 home runs? I, I don't think there is. But the reality is he's spending just as much time working with the pitchers, just as much time looking at opposing hitters, opposing pitchers, all these different things. He, he's doing four times the amount of work as anyone on the team in a sense. And one thing I love about the guy is, and I, and I do love the guy, and, I, and I've loved covering him, I've loved writing about him, I've loved speaking to him. It's not easy to speak to him. He does not want to give you a lot. But when he does speak to you, he is so honest, and he's so interesting, and he is philosophical almost about his struggles and his work. And one thing that, again, I, I know I've mentioned this plenty of times on the podcast, he is always very cognizant of the fact that he's a performer and an entertainer, and it doesn't matter how hard he's working. People simply want to see results. And I think that's notable that he acts that way. But I've always also said, I do think that he deserves some more benefit of the doubt than he gets. I, I think so. People are going to give that benefit of the doubt when they want to. They're not when they don't want to. It's, uh, you know, there's freedom there. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, you know, the narrative that the fans feel, uh, that the fan base feels, is kind of driven through the media. And that's it. I'm glad he's a guy that's not angry about it, not upset by it, just working hard and working through it. And to your point about results, results have happened from real changes that he made. I, when he explained to me for the story, when Ian Marcus both explained to me kind of what they did, you know, taking a batting stance where there was a high leg kick, almost an exaggerated leg kick that took, you know, just basically to, to, to simplify it too much time and made him start his swing later than he, than he should have been starting it because he was too busy lifting his leg up in the air and then putting it back down. They shortened that. They calmed that down as they spoke about, and it just got him to the ball quicker. You know, for a major league hitter, you don't hear a lot of times like, oh, he's, he's struggling because he's late to the ball. You know, that's usually something I feel like is reserved for children. <laughs> you know, like if you're in the majors, you're able to hit that fastball. Well, that was the struggle. They figured it out. And I know it's easy for the guy who runs the publications department to talk about it like, huh, this is easy. A lot of times that that is how fans talk about, oh, this is easy. How come they didn't figure it out? It's, it's not easy, but they did it. He's quicker to the ball. He's getting way more contact. And I think what was kind of neat about it is before the, the home runs start coming in droves, there were singles and doubles that were coming. And that was simply just because he was getting contact more consistently. And, you know, once those singles start coming, then doubles and home runs start coming. And, and I think another interesting thing is he's walking more. And why is he walking more? Because he's recognizing pitches better. He's taking more time to see the pitch come in because he's not lifting that leg up in the air and dealing with all that. So he's walking more. So there's really so many parts of his game that have improved. It's, it's really remarkable. And um, to your point, pleasure to write about him, pleasure to interview him. Marlon Abreu, our interpreter, both a friend and 
confidant and someone who is so willing to help our department. And he certainly has this year and he certainly did with this story. And he makes stories about Gary Sanchez and other guys just just so much better. So I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful and appreciative. Gary's a great topic to write about. We've both done it. It's such a hard sport. I always go back to watching those pitching ninja videos on Twitter where he overlays the pitches and you see what it looks like when a guy is throwing, you know, a slider versus a fastball versus a splitter and everything like that and, and, and how impossible it is to judge one of these things. And you talk about the mechanical changes they make. And I always find it funny because a lot of times when we talk to baseball players, we're asking questions that make the game more complicated than it is in a sense when really their mentality isn't necessarily changing or their approach isn't necessarily changing this is what it is this is a case where it was very complicated it was really rebuilding a big league or swing on the fly kind of like we said while he is also trying to be a big league catcher so i think you did a great job of getting the perspective from his coaches getting the perspective from gary and and, and really putting in in solid detail there is what happened again the story is called into the light it is the cover story of our august issue it's on sale at yankee stadium right now if you're coming to the ballpark for this last homestand of august i hope you will check it out well thank you i really appreciate it it was fun to write very proud of this magazine looking forward to getting the next one out as well for sure and to all of you thank you for listening to another episode of the yankees magazine podcast we're grateful for your support we hope you will like rate review us tell your friends about us subscribe for your friends you can go to yankees.com slash podcast or the podcast app of your choice you can also see our long-form content at yankees.com slash magazine we're going to have this gary sanchez story up on monday so please take a look at it then but also you can find all the stuff we've been writing in yankees magazine of course follow us on twitter at yanks magazine and send us some letters at podcast at yankees.com that's it see you next time and go yanks hey this is Giancarlo Stan. if you like what you're hearing why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.